Welcome to Stay Grounded with your host, me, Raj Jana. I'm the founder of Java Press Coffee Company, and my life changed after my mentor died with three months left until retirement. That experience inspired me to start a personal journey to discover how we can all live a purpose-driven and meaningful life starting today. I interview everyone from best-selling authors and business moguls to extreme athletes and monks to discuss happiness, success, and fulfillment to uncover powerful takeaways that empower you to stay grounded and make passionate living a reality. To access post-podcast discussions, insights, and further resources, visit rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded. So thanks for joining me today. Now, let's get to grinding. Yo, what's up, everyone? And welcome to this week's episode of Stay Grounded. I hope you're all having an amazing, amazing, amazing day so far. I am so grateful and so privileged and so excited to be introducing my dear friend and brother and this week's amazing guest, Mr. Nick Onkin. So Nick is one of the most fascinating human beings I know. I mean, he's a photographer, he's an artist, he's a podcaster, he's a hat designer, he's an entrepreneur, he's just this human being that's lived and lives a creative life where his curiosity guides him to continue identifying new and exciting ways to express his soul, his art, his essence into the world. And I've just learned so much from Nick. I mean, Nick is just incredible. I mean, he's done photo shoots for myself. He's been commissioned by some of the top tier brands in the world, like Nike, Coca-Cola, Adidas, worked for people like Justin Bieber, Usher, Tom Hanks, Jess Galba, Tony Robbins. I mean, you name it. Nick is just one of the most creative human beings I know. And one of the reasons why I really wanted Nick on the show is not because of any one thing that he does. It's because of how he's been able to sort of evolve his identity over the years, like how he continues finding those deeper threads of truth underneath every single thing he creates. And he's coined this phrase, this lifestyle called identity alchemy, which is the art of deconstructing who you are and who you've been so you can discover who you are at your core. And I just loved the idea, one, of alchemy, which is like the idea of transmutation and transformation, which sits at the core of all personal development. We're trying to transform from one lower energy state to a higher one. And the idea of alchemy being applied to who you are and how you're evolving over time. And I just found this conversation to be so fruitful and timely as one, we're all sort of evaluating how we want to show up in the world and leaning into the world as a mirror for our deepest healing and transformation. And it was just such a, a illuminating conversation. I mean, we talk about everything from what is identity alchemy, how to connect to the energy of the moment, how to create as a tool for pulling yourself into your truth, how to master intentionality, how to dance between the masculine and the feminine, curiosity, exploring the world of possibilities and creating for the pure joy of it. I mean, you name it, we cover it. Nick is on a mission to raise consciousness through the art he creates in the world, no matter what that is. And I think that's something beautiful that we can all infuse into our own work. It doesn't matter if you're a parent, somebody who's working full time, an entrepreneur, a creator, an artist. At the very core of it, who you are is poured into like the way you show up. And your essence shines through every single thing you do. So I hope this episode inspires you to activate that inner creator within yourself and express that inner genius and find the way that you uniquely shine in the world. And by proxy, then allow yourself to heal and 
and allow yourself to be seen in the biggest ways. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. We make all of Nick's contact information available in the show notes and subscribe to us on iTunes or Spotify or any of the podcast apps for that reason. All that means is that every single time we release a new episode, it drops straight into your inbox. Reach out to us on social media. Let us know what landed and what resonates for you. And thank you so much for choosing yourself. Thank you so much for prioritizing your well-being. And thank you so much for just giving us the gift of having this conversation and doing it alongside you. We're all healing together. And it's just, it fills my heart up and lights me up to to be on this journey with each and every one of you. So anyways, without further ado, here is my main man, Mr. Nick Onkin. Enjoy. Yo, yo, yo. What's up, everyone? And welcome to this week's episode of Stay Grounded. I hope you're all having a brilliant day so far. I sure as hell am having an amazing day. My man, Mr. Nick Onkin, welcome to the show. Thank you. We got grounded, sultry voice here. We got sultry voices. Uh, <laughs> but I'm like looking over at you like I don't know if I've ever had a conversation with you via like Zoom or, or FaceTime where you're like you've got this massive mic and just these headphones on. So I feel <laughs> like uh, I'm just I'm just feeling I'm feeling a rocket ship about to take off, my man. Yeah, absolutely. We uh we do it up here. <laughs> we do. We do. Well, I want to dive in. I've already introed you. So there's context to the many identities, hats, aspects of you that are celebrated through your life. I mean, you, you're one of the few people in my life that literally I feel like I can't really pin down like this is what you are. Like I can't pin down that you're a photographer. I can't pin down that you're an artist. I can't pin down that you're an entrepreneur. I can't pin down like that you're like, like you just have so many aspects of you that are celebrated through everything you do. So I'd love to start there and, you know, like what was the first identity that you really started playing with and how has your own sense of self sort of evolved as you've grown as a being? Yeah. <laughs> Deep. <laughs> that's, 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 that's a big one. And we can unpack that uh, in so many different ways. You know, right now in this current moment in my life, I identify as a creative alchemist. And that is something that just kind of has come to me over the last year and a half at some point, probably during the, the pandemic of sitting here in my creative space you know, just refining and refining over the last few years of like, okay, I've got all these different interests and mediums and outlets at this point in my life. How do I bring this all under one umbrella? And I, you know, I I believe that the personal brand is how you bring everything under one umbrella with a common message. So, you know, the message that I'm developing now is, is identity alchemy, which is I guess the thought, the message in the space that I'm like delivering to the world in terms of who you are and what you're putting out into the world and how you authentically align to that. And from that to that, creating congruence between who you are, your message and what you're putting out to the world. So that's one thing that we can kind of go into a little bit later. But for me as a person, as, as how I am identifying right now is creative alchemist. And that's the idea of having all these different mediums, whether it's photography, hat making, design, podcasting. Now I'm playing around with DJing, all these different things. It's like, how do you like 
encapsulate this. And for me, that's what it is. But to go back to my first, and I think with identity alchemy, it's like the process is the first part of the process is deconstruction. And so if we deconstruct, start to deconstruct, and, and now I can look back at my life and start to deconstruct. Whereas when I was in it, I had no idea. Yeah. So my first identity, if you will, was being a graphic designer. I went to school as a graphic designer for a graphic design that for like five years. And then I became a photographer. And that was my second, I guess, identity in the world. And, you know, I even, even moving from graphic design to photography, I had to shed that, the graphic designer identity. And then moving through, as I became a photographer, that I hit like the top, like a really high peak in my career. And all my identity was built into being a photographer and who I was shooting and what I was shooting. And that meant all my self-worth and who I was, was built into that identity. And it wasn't until my business started to start falling because, you know, as I hit this, I guess the uh, fall of print, commercial print world and the rise of Instagram and social media caused my business to kind of start to collapse. And with that collapse, I collapsed. (laughs) And because like my full identity was built into being a photographer who was shooting the celebrities I was shooting, the brands I was shooting, the whatever it was, the traveling around the world, like that was who I was. And I didn't realize that who I was was even bigger than that. And it was, has nothing to do with that. That took me years and years to discover and to learn, you know, and it wasn't until it all came crashing down that, and my, my self-worth and my, my well-being came crashing down with it because my identity was so tied into that as my identity being a photographer, being the commercial photographer. And through some years of emotional intelligence and leadership training courses, and then even deeper dive and another, a whole different dark night of the soul falling, you know, crashing even deeper was, was the space. It took me to the space where I went on my own spiritual journey and had, and since then have really kind of separated from the ego identity that the ego is being my identity and the ego being instead being the ego being my teammate. And then, you know, any identity now that we choose to whatever costume identity costume we choose to like wear, it's not who we really are. It's just the identity that we're operate using to operate in this 3d holographic world to interact with other people and interact and in interact in the world. But the true identity is the soul. I so much in there and I, I think it's so valuable. You know, we were talking about this yesterday, how when you have those rock bottom moments or when you get hit by life or when you get the rug pulled out from underneath you or when your sense of self is challenged, like anything that is not truth withers away. And what's left is that soul, that energy that brings life to who you are. And it is the thing that permeates all the things you do. Like, I love that you said, you know, like deconstructing, like looking backwards, like it's a hell of a lot easier. The Steve Jobs quote, it's a hell of a lot easier to look. You can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backwards. And I even realized in my life, I've had several identity changes, but those identity changes only needed to exist because I identified with something outside of me. Like that thing that I identified with wasn't in me. And I think it takes those hard times. Like, I think it takes those dark night of the souls. I think it takes you kind of falling uh, in order to 
wither away all that isn't you and almost rest into the thing that then can't be ever taken away from you. Like I'm looking at you now, right? And I see the many things that you're doing and the many ways that you're creating and expressing in the world. And to me, it feels the same. Like nothing looks different. It's just, it feels the same because it's all coming from your heart and your soul. Yeah. That's what I think identity alchemy is, is finding what your core, who you are at the core. And then, you know, through the personal branding process is like telling that story. But the first part of that, the deconstruction phase is really discovering who that, what that piece of you is. Like what's the adopted constructs that you've had to conform to your whole life if that weren't really you? And how long does it take you to learn that, you know? And then who's the, the natural you? What's your natural identity? And when you find your natural identity, that's what comes through in the message. And when you're building a personal brand, that can come through and come out in many different mediums and many different forms. And so I've been deconstructing it to build this whole identity alchemy course and process. I've been doing my own identity alchemy and deconstructing all of that, deconstructing who I've been, deconstructing what is my natural, my natural identity. Now I realize is, or my message is to raise consciousness through the art that I create in the world and the art that I put out into the world, whether no matter what art form it is, that's the mission. So I think when you come up with a mission, then you can carry that out into your personal brand and tell that story authentically and with congruence. How did that mission come to be? I think it was just a congruent thread line that I had to like, it was there all along. It just had to be discovered and it had to be cultivated. And, you know, and I think it really comes through the awareness and any sort of like when you're raising consciousness for yourself and for anyone, you know, inspiring others to do it, it's really just about developing new awarenesses about yourself. And that's, I think a big piece of the deconstruction phase is like, really, how can you take an objective look at who you are and all the things around you? And the truth is, is we're constantly going through this process all the time. We're constantly shape-shifting our identities from a moment to moment basis. And I think that's the personal alchemy, right? We're always in every moment, we're curating a new reality. We're curating a new way of operating in the world based off of every conversation. You know, this conversation here, if somebody's listening to it, might change their complete point of view or perspective and help them take on a new awareness in and of itself. So, you know, you and I are both conscious agents. And then this podcast is its own conscious agent that is connecting another dot for somebody else. And maybe it's, and it's also connecting dots for us as we're communicating, right? So we're also like performing an identity alchemy process here in and of itself because every conversation can be a new heightened awareness, a new point of consciousness, a new perspective, a new idea, a new inspiration of something to create in the world. Did you say conscious Asian or conscious agent? I mean, I guess we are conscious both, Asians. <laughs> both, I guess, in, in, in a way, because I was trying to like follow the conversation in both directions because <laughs> they probably could have gone either. <laughs> well, and it's, well, it's fascinating, you know, because I, I want you to unpack the word alchemy because I think it's important for those listening who may not have an intimate, like, knowing of the word because it is like, it's a word that has a lot sort of embedded in it. But then I'd also love to maybe dive into how 
you know, you're upgrading and you're letting go of societal conditioning, societal beliefs, societal change. I mean, like I came from a traditional Indian background where my parents really just wanted to be, to be an engineer, a doctor, a lawyer. And I went down that route where I became an engineer and then I had to sort of go through the unraveling and facing those fears and those judgments and those sort of voices in my head. And I'd love to have you maybe even share some light on, you know, how you sort of developed a relationship with those voices and the cultures and the stigmas and then sort of step beyond it into creating the way that you do. Yeah. Okay. So alchemy. <laughs> Sorry, dude, I'm just like slinging, slinging cannons at you over there. Just yeah. Like, no, no. Trebuchets and all. <laughs> well, we could start with conscious Asians or conscious agents and then we'll move into alchemies. All of that. <laughs> I love that you heard that that was as conscious Asians. That's amazing. Uh, that's a whole nother ball game that we can get into is conscious Asians and what's happening in today's culture with all of that stuff. But conscious agents, I'll touch on really quick because this is a concept that I just listened to. I just heard on this podcast with this guy. I think it was Donald Hoffman, but I can't. He wrote a book called The Case Against Reality. And that in and of itself is just dissecting what this actual conscious human experience actually is. And conscious agents are just these different points of things. And so alchemy, I think, can come from some of those conscious agents' points. So it's your alchemy is the definition of alchemy is taking one thing and, and transmuting it into another thing that's better. So it used to be utilized in the in terms of like metal making and goldsmithing and where you're taking metals and to precious metals and turning them into whether it's jewelry or other metals or something like that. Now, alchemy has also been referred to, I believe, by Carl Jung in terms of like transmuting in, the, in like the psych, psychological world of transmuting thoughts or emotions into something better or more positive in psychology. So I would definitely, you know, I guess it's all across the spectrum because in creativity, it's also you're transmuting especially with working with hard goods, you're transmuting one material into a whole different art piece, right? In psychology and emotional intelligence and spirituality, you're alchemizing emotions. You know, for me, I utilize it as a space to, if I'm in a emotion, like say, like I, I wake up here, here's an example. So I wake up a lot of times I'm in a, de- a darker emotional state, a heavier emotional state. I have weird dreams a lot. I wake up in a little bit of an emotional spiral sometimes. So my emotional state is low. Well, one thing that has helped me tremendously to alchemize and shift my state is meditation. Mm. So when I wake up, the first thing I do that when I wake up is I meditate. And the meditation that I do is a a mantra-based meditation, like transcendental meditation or Vedic meditation. And through that 20 minutes of meditation... I can feel my body shift. I can feel, I can feel the the heaviness kind of lift and my state change. So that's a form of alchemy. Mm. There's many different, you know, you can consider alchemy in a lot of different spaces. And then the personal alchemy. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, a lot of it also is alchemy can be looking at things from a different perspective, creating a new awareness, a way to see something that you never saw before. You know, it's like, one big alchemy is going from a space of everything happens to me to everything happens for me in life, right? From victim mentality to everything happens for a reason, whether it's good or bad. 
And then, you know, the other form is life happens, everything happens through me, which you're a constant flow of, of life and energy. And that's, I think where the, you know, and surrender. And I think that's where the most, that's where the juice is. That's the most joy comes from, but the alchemy to get there is a huge process and it takes all kinds of different, but a healing journey, like you got to yeah, move the healing the, journey. Yeah. You know, cause we're all living in our traumas and our traumas is what creates suffering. You know, we're all like, I speak in general of, we live in the traumas of which we grew up in, you know, things that happened to us. And until we can shape shift that perspective into the learning, the perspective that things are that have happened for us so that we can learn and grow from them. That takes a lot of work, it takes yeah. a lot of deep inner work. And sometimes, sometimes a little plant medicine helps that journey. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it has for me, I found it to be quite profound and transcendent. So alchemy in its highest form is, is the transmutation of these things. It's never ending journey. <laughs> I mean, alchemy all the time. Yeah. I was going to tie that last piece in like the, you know, if you, if you consider the alchemy of, you know, transmuting the things that happen like to you to for you, like, I guess in the world of like, if we now even transition this to like conscious Asian, right. The where, like where you're at today with your journey, like how has the process of creation itself, like creating or pursuing different more than the healing journey itself, like actually the process of putting yourself and your creations in the world, how has that allowed you to, to alchemize your sense of self? Like, one of the things I'm I'm realizing is like, yeah, I can do a lot of work, like the personal development work, the I can do the healing work, the the plant medicine work, like I can do all that work. And there's an element of actually expressing who I am in the world and allowing myself to be seen for who I am in the world to be its own form of a medicine. How do they both sort of play in your life and even from your own story or how you've allowed yourself to bravely sort of step into all the versions of you? Like how have both played a role? Yeah, I would say creativity has always been at the heart of who I am. And luckily I had parents that encouraged me through the process to do what I wanted in that respect. I can't speak to what it was like to have parents that had made me, that were like, you have to be a doctor or a lawyer or something like that, you know, but I did have a religion conformant, you know, I did have, have to conform to a religion, which was also not helpful, you know, some great teachings and great things to live by, but that was a whole conformity in and of itself that I had to like work through. But as for creativity, you know, I think for me, it was just something I was always doing. And now that I'm, I'm putting it out into the world, it's become a more refined expression. And the more I become aware as to what it is, I think awareness is always the key. And to kind of step book back out and look, zoom out and look down at, at whatever it is that you're, you're working on. And I think also creative flow is a way to tap into a space of expression, but also you're coming when you're in a space of creation, look, everyone, not everyone's an artist, but everyone is a creator. Yes. We all have creation spaces to play in, whether it's you're creating a business and that's your sculpture, your or you have a creative hobby, you know, whatever it is, you can get creative about it. But I think it comes down to whether you're creating or consuming. 
And if you're just consuming in life, all you're doing is taking and, and taking and taking and not contributing to anything to the betterment of the world. I think art is, you know, art inspires. Art is the, the language that transcends and inspires people without language. And I think even just being around somebody who is creating all the time in and of itself is inspiring to be around. And it makes you want to go create something and create whatever that is, like whatever your art form is. I think it's, it's, it's important to find what that is for yourself because when you get into a flow state, you're living in the present and you're not living in the future or the past. And there's so many studies that have been made around flow states, you know, like Stephen Kotler and those guys, and they study what the brain does when you're in a flow state. And creativity is one of the biggest things that you can do to get into a flow state. You know, like when you're, you lose track of time because you're making something and you're just really excited about it or you're drawing or you're painting or anything like that. And one of the things I've loved about just the idea of a flow state is it's pure presence, right? Like I think today's society, like most people are living in their heads. They're living in their, like their repeated patterns. They're playing these loops up top. But when you're creating and you're purely in that creative space, like you're actually fully engaged and present and you're in the now. And that is alchemy. That's where I think alchemy exists. Like it's the space where like when you're present, there is no fear. There's no concept of time. There's no judgment. There truly is just a connection to the moment, to the human being you're in front of, to like and and that sense of connection to me is what actually heals like that's the energy the energetic vibration that transcends all past and future sort of predictions or reflections like it is truly in the now that we have this opportunity to create change and you, i love that you said that not everyone's an artist but we're all creators and You can create change in the moment. You can create ripples of love or joy or peace or inspiration in the moment. Those, the moment has so much power. And I, that's what I love most about, I think what you're inspiring in the world. It's this, the idea of alchemy and bringing it back to the here and the now and using everything from your past and your future to anchor in what is. Yeah. Thanks brother. Yeah. And just to add to that is like, it is, it's when you're in your head, you're always just like worried. You're in a spiral. A lot of times it's a downward spiral and you're just like, Oh, worried about this or regretting the past or like worried about the future or worried about what all the crazy shit that's going on in the world right now. Yep. And when you move into a space of creation, you move into a space of inspiration and you're like, Oh, and possibility. You're like, what can I create? How can I put this together with this? Or how can I make this and think of the different states that puts you in, right? Like you're in a depressed, worried state by being in your head, consuming just like all the stuff that's going on, the news, the social medias, all that stuff. It's heavy. It's heavy. Or if you put that aside and move into a space of creating and Creating could be anything. It could be reading a book. It could be, you know, painting or learning a new, creating education. I don't know anything. Learning something positive or creating something positive, creating, I know I have all kinds of outlets, but I would encourage people to just find even a hobby or experiment or create an experiment. I always say art is, you know, when I'm learning a new art form, it's all just an experiment. That way there's no attachment to it. So, but you can also explore and get curious and create. And when you're in, yeah. And when you're in that space, you, all the worries start to go away 
Because you, you know, know a space of creation. I love that you said the word curiosity because I actually believe that curiosity is kind of like that seed to inspiration. If you can stay curious, you're inherently staying open-minded. You're inherently staying in that world of possibility. You're inherently looking for more. And I think that that energetic space is what allows you to get out of that stuck space. Like you're right. Like you think about like a river that's flowing. It's just constantly flowing. It's flowing. It's flowing. There's a lot of life and a lot of activity. You're going to get the good and the bad in a life that's got a lot of flow in it. Right. But if Mm -hmm. you're just sitting in stagnant water in a pond that hasn't really moved in a while, you're going to get murky and mosquitoes all over it. And there's just like this, there's an energetic difference between both. And I think that we as creators and as human beings have this incredible opportunity to allow life to be our greatest teacher. Yeah. You know, we're the only animals, or at least to my understanding, the only animals on the planet that actually have the ability to create meaning. Right. And, and we have that agency and that power, and that is our creative life force. It's the ability to look at something and turn it into something else. Yeah, absolutely. Agency is power. Agency is power. I just posted that quote the other day. It's like, you know, like I love people that have agency. I think creativity is agency. When you're in creation state, you have agency. I've always been of the mindset of creating your life, right? By creating every small moment. And I had this hashtag like years ago that I started called create your moments. And Creating your moments is like a piece of intention. It's an intentionality. And we can go into like the idea of creating with the masculine and feminine energies. And that's really, you know, when I do photography, I came up with this idea, you know, especially because I shoot, I've shot a lot of commercial campaigns and, and big, all these big things. And I, the idea that I can go into something and create with the masculine, you know, with the intention, right? We create the box and the parameters and, and the container. I would say the box, let's say the container. You know, so I'm intentionally choosing the wardrobe, the talent, the location, the overall direction, the lighting. And then we get on set and we dive into the moment and play, we create with the feminine. So the mad, that surrender, the flow, letting the magic happen within that container. And so it's this, it's this symbiotic creation space to create magical photographs. And that's where the magic comes from in the photographs is letting the feminine creativity come through inside the masculine container. And so I think that directly applies to life. Every moment of life is like create with intention, let go of expectations and result like expecting results and let the magic happen within that container. Let life surrender to life and let the feminine magic create the magic in every moment and life's going to get even more magical. And that's what I've learned over through the way. And the the more we try to control things, the more we try to like expect specific results and we don't get them. And then it just like creates more dissonance and more friction and less happiness. And that's what creates, that's what gets us in our head. You know, when we can't let that stuff go. And I think creating more joy from that space by creating with intention and letting life flow is important. I learned a really important lesson a few years ago and it was from one of my mentors and he always said, you know, Raj, the outcome is not your burden to bear, but you being prepared in the moments that lead to that outcome is absolutely in your power and agency and control. 
And it goes back to what we were saying, like, you know, you can't really control what the the end result is going to be perceived as, how it's going to look, you know, what it might show up as, if it actually is to plan or not. I mean, if you nail the plan, great, awesome. But expecting yourself to do that again and again and again is is an unhealthy relationship with control. But what you can absolutely have agency over is setting that order, that intention, that container, whatever word we want to call it. But it's that, it's the preparation. And then it's it's almost like, you know, I've always felt like the masculine is order and it, the feminine is chaos. And you can't try to actually contain chaos. Like all you can do is surrender to it. Right. And that's, we were talking yesterday about like, you know, my, I feel like my biggest medicine right now in life is surrender, like intentional surrender, like really finding different parts of my life that I can actually surrender the need to be right, the need to have it all figured out and just f- be as conscious as I can about making the best choices that I can based on the information I have in every moment and then surrendering the rest. And that being the medicine of the moment, that being the medicine that actually heals and allows me to feel more connected to the divine and the universe or whatever you believe in. Yeah, absolutely. I think surrender is is highly important. I'm sure you've read the Surrender Experiment. Changed my life. That book changed my life. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good one. It was a good one for sure. It is a good one, I should say. He just started a podcast, by the way. Did he? Uh, That's awesome. (laughs) Like That's dope. I, I need to... I need to revisit that book. I mean, I read it years ago and it was such a life-changing concept when I read the book, like the idea of surrendering to the idea that, you know, what you want pales in comparison to what you didn't even know you wanted, right? Like (laughs) that's really kind of like, if I think about my life right now, everything I have right now, if I would have like put a checklist together five years ago and I was like, yep, this is what I want. Then if I got everything on my checklist, I don't think I'd be as happy as I am right now. You know, I think there's that beauty and, you know, the going back to a, kind of what you were saying around the what's happening to you to what's happening for you, right? Like when we can, like the more ex- lived experience that we begin to accumulate, the more we can actually come to terms with that reality that, you know, the things that we hated in the moment are actually the things. And that's why, you know, I love that you, you said the deconstruction process. And I want to go back to identity alchemy because I think it's really important to flesh that out. Like, Deconstruction, it sounds like that's a lot like reflection, like really just having an active reflection process of looking at your life and trying to connect the dots and find the common threads and then allowing that awareness to dictate your next set of choices. Is that a a good sort of like kind of overall idea of like just deconstructing your past? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's deconstructing your past. It's deconstructing the belief systems that you have. It's deconstructing the narratives. We all, we're all living in a narrative construct and that construct dicks the way, dict, dicks, dictates the way that, <laughs> <laughs> the, the way that we operate in the world. Um, you know, and that narrative could be like, Oh, I was, I was beat as a kid. Therefore I'm going to be a dick in this world to everyone because I'm angry that the world has like turned against me and this is how it is. Well, you can go and deconstruct that. And then the, uh, the work is detaching from that ego or that, that detaching from that story because the ego is holding on to that and then become a new person in the world. Like you can choose to operate differently. So the rest of the, the process you deconstruct, curate and become, 
and curating, you know, once you deconstruct things, you know, what's not working for you in your life, what keeps showing up in your life that's rendering negative results. That's usually a space of it's happening because of something you're the creator of your life, whether you're generating positive results or negative results. So the idea is to look at what the results that you're getting, deconstruct those and then look at how, who you're being in the world to get those results. So that's one piece of this. There's many, many like ways yeah. to deconstruct. You can do plant medicine to deconstruct. There's a lot of things you can do. Well, the modalities are, you know, wide and varied, right? Like life can be a great teacher for allowing these deconstructive moments. And so can plant medicines and so can just holistic practices or even a good mentor or teacher, maybe even a breakup. I mean, like there's so many experiences in life that can allow a deeper look into the self. And one thing I really want to highlight, because I think it's so important what you mentioned was this idea of being honest with yourself. Like mm -hmm. you can look back at your life and see these things that aren't working and find the patterns. But if you don't admit or if you don't take ownership of that, there's actually no way you can consciously make a change in your life. There's no way you can actually elevate beyond it. Um, and I think that's kind of what in, in certain senses an egoic death is. The mm -hmm. egoic death is you realizing that the ego that was trying, that was driving your decisions, that was leading you down a path actually didn't serve you. And there's right. this like, it's a humbling moment. I've had a few ego deaths in my life where I've had to really look at myself and say, wow, like my choices, my actions did not lead me to where I want to go. And it's a hard pill to swallow. And when you allow yourself to swallow that pill, it's also the most liberating. Yeah. It is, that's the, yeah, that is piece of the deconstruction phase is, is dying to an old ego construct. I had to do that even going from graphic design to photography. And then I also had to do, I had went through another ego death of sorts going through from photography to, you know, when my photography career started to, my commercial photography career started to go down. I was so attached to that construct that that's who I was, that there was nothing else outside of that. I had to eventually die to that and shed that, that ego identity, realizing that I was more than just that, right? I was more than just my career. And then on to like go through even more ego deaths of more plant medicine and things like that, which is a whole different space. But yeah, part of the deconstructing, part of the identity alchemy process is shedding the old ego construct of what you were before. So you can move in and step into a new, you curate, you know, you, you curate as a second piece of the process where you're curating a new identity, at like who you would want to be, right? Like who do you want to step into? And then becoming is the stepping into that, that avatar, that character, that identity that you want to be, you know, and some of that might take work and practice. And, you know, if you're going back to that other, the other example of like, oh, I'm addicted to everyone because of this happened to me. Well, if you're stepping into a new space, it's like, oh, okay, well, yes, yeah, sure. This happened to me and it taught me some things. Now I get to choose to become yep. a kind person or whoever that, whatever that looks like for you, who would you want to be? Right. And then stepping into that, you know, if we're talking about identity alchemy as a personal brand, creating a visual personal brand, you're, we're talking about creating storytelling assets that tell the story of who you are. That's where the congruence comes from through this process. 
but I think this process is just, you can apply it to everyday life. You know, we're constantly shape-shifting identities and we're constantly deconstructing things, you know, and there's different aspects of our identities and, and life that we're constantly deconstructing. I, I had to deconstruct my religion and the, what I grew up in. And you know, that took seven years of processing, deconstructing and processing through all of that and letting go of what was so woven deeply into my subconscious and then to begin to curate a new identity and then become that. So, you know, sometimes some of these things can take years to work through. You know, it's funny as you're, as you're kind of describing this, I'm realizing my greatest work in just healing and deconstructing identities and beliefs has been letting go of the need to be a version of me and just be me. It's like the need to be the best version of me, the need to be the most authentic, the idea of being the most authentic version of myself instead of just living authentically was a massive shift for me. Like the need to be an inspiration versus just living inspired, the need to, to have mm-hmm. the persona instead of just embodying it. And I think for me that embodiment work has really been the, the anchor, like coming back to presence, right? Like we, I think we, we have these stories, we have these things that we tell ourselves about who we think we need to be, but who we are is not who we think we need to be. Even that idea, like who do I think I need to be in order to get this done or make this happen or create this thing or allow like to build an art. It doesn't, the idea of you pales in comparison to what is actually you. Yeah. And I think so if- what I would say to that is, is that the becoming, you know, the, the identity alchemy like process is the, is creating awareness of that. Right. And then the becoming aspect is, is the embodiment of that. Right. Yeah. It's like, you don't need to like think of who I need to be. You just create, you think about, Oh yes, I want to be more of this person. And then you, you go and be that, right. You become yeah. that you live that authentically. And that's the piece that I'm talking about. Right. Cause that, that's what creates the congruency between who you are and what you're putting out into the world is when you step into becoming that person and you just live that. Right. I think a lot of it, I get this, this funny, like, a, I was like, it's a compliment, but like when people meet me and they've followed me online, they're like, Oh, you're just like you are online. <laughs> in person i am who i am online right like i have ups i have downs i talk about that shit on instagram i'm real on there and my life is a lot of highlights but i also create that as well but i'm also not afraid to talk about the dark areas and the and the dark nights of the soul and like the things that i struggle with so i think there is creating the living the authenticity of what you're putting out there is highly important I think that's actually been, so this year I started releasing monthly reflection episodes where like I kind of take the entire month of highs and lows and dissect them into just a set of lessons or maybe takeaways that I'm bringing into the next month. And I didn't realize this when I first started releasing them, but now I've done about seven of them and I'm realizing that being and sharing so much of my life in such an intimate way has actually allowed me to access deeper levels of intimacy within myself. Mm. It has allowed, like when you're, I think this is, you know, I was was listening to one of the best, actually, podcasts I listened to this year was a, or not this year, this month, was an Aubrey Marcus podcast where he talked about his last ayahuasca journey. And he was talking about judgment and self-judgment. And he was going down this route of like, 
when you judge yourself, you act, and then you start judging yourself for judging yourself. And then you go into this like kind of cycle of judgment, (laughs) right? Like, you know, for me, creating and putting myself out there and allowing more of my life to be seen and experienced has allowed my own internal judgments of myself to sort of dissipate. And I think that voice, like the, when we can get into that space of just allowing ourselves to be seen more and more, like, and then you, you become aware of those judgments or you become aware of that voice and then you fight it with, don't fight it, you douse it with love or compassion or maybe forgiveness for the rash voice in your mind. You allow your, I feel like I've, I've allowed, at least my creations have allowed like themselves to be more authentic and more connected and more intimate with what's happening in the moment. And I think it takes practice. I think it, cause I, seven or eight months ago, I don't know if I had that comfort. Mm. I don't know if I had that comfort with putting all of myself out there, sharing more of my intimate life or being more radically transparent with all the things that are showing up for me. And, but now I'm realizing in hindsight, like the more I allow that, the more I allow myself to be seen and I don't judge myself for the creations. I don't judge the, mm. the way they come out, the way they sound, the way they look. Like The more I allow myself to be all of me, the more healing I experience in mm-hmm. all the areas of my life. Like I can feel my relationship with my girlfriend be deeper as a result of the way I'm creating. I can feel my relationship with my parents authentically change because mm-hmm. of the way I'm creating. And so I think there's something beautiful to the idea of creating your way to freedom. And I think that's something that you naturally embody. Like I've kind of, this is something I just love most about you, man. Like you really do. It's fascinating to watch you like jump into hats and then jump into me. Like yesterday you're telling me, you sent me some of your jams and I was like, I was rocking out to them. Like, I mean, like (laughs) I just love how you're just, you're just creating. And there's this like inherent, like I just feel the, and I can't imagine it's always been this way. I imagine you have had moments where you've judged your creations and you've been critical and in that space. But to me right now in this moment, it feels like you're just authentically putting out what feels right for your heart and letting go. And that feels healing just to witness. Yeah, thank you. And yeah, it is. It's kind of, I'm just experimenting more with this, like feel, like creating with what feels in flow and doesn't have to be perfect I think if you look at art as an experiment, like I was saying, the weight doesn't have to be attached to it. The judgment doesn't have to be as attached to it. Right. You know, obviously like there's an element of like, yeah, I want to make sure something is like good, but also, and also I think when you can consider it an experiment, it takes a lot of the pressure off. And so for me, I'm like, Oh yeah. DJing sounds like fun. I, it's funny. Cause like, I've always thought I was like in another life I would, I've been a DJ and then I like got introduced to it and I started playing around with it. I was like, Oh, I can totally do this. Maybe in another life you were a DJ that maybe that this is very true. Maybe that was, maybe maybe your soul's already, your soul's already played that, (laughs) played that one through in a past life. Like I've been, it's not to get, well, we can go as woo as we want. This is my show. The past lives. That's something I've been, I've been paying attention to in my creations, the things that feel natural to me. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I put it on my bucket list to learn the piano oh, and wow. I stopped playing cause after I moved to California, I didn't have space in my place here. But when I was in Austin, I was practicing 
And I don't know why I've always been drawn to the piano, but the second I started playing it, I picked it up so damn fast. It was like, it was just this, like, it just felt so easy to play. Yeah. And I forgot that, like, there are things that just feel easier to you and it feels familiar and paying attention to that as you're creating and being experimented. That's why experimenting is so fun. And like, it's just like this energy because like, you can find the things that just flow and feel easy and there's beauty in honoring the ease of your creations and kind of letting them guide their own path. Like I've found it to be incredibly powerful and actually helping me build awareness of just that connection with my soul and my intuitive sort of natural skill sets and whatnot. Yeah, that's amazing. I love that. And I think it's it's great to be able to experiment with that. Yeah. And I would just encourage anybody that's listening, you know, if you have anything that's like of interest to you, experiment with it. Don't put pressure on it. Just experiment with it. You might find something that comes to you with ease and that you really love doing. And you might just enjoy doing it as a hobby or it could turn into a career or it could turn into like something you get paid for. I mean, most of my creative endeavors have started of just me experimenting with something and then people started wanting it. (laughs) Then I, then people pay me to do what I do for them. It's been like that for every creative endeavor that I've had. And, you know, you just practice until that point, you know, you practice and you get put it out there, make it available for people to see. But if that's what you want, you know, otherwise it doesn't even have to go out there. It could just be purely for your joy and your flow, you know, like piano doesn't have to be for your, you know, you don't have to be a concert pianist by any stretch, unless you want to. And it could just be for you and your house and for your own joy. And, and that's it. As long as it makes you happy and it puts you in a flow state and a creative state, that's what's the most important. I think the ultimate lesson, if, if I'm taking anything away and for everyone listening, it's to the goal of creating is to access inspiration. It's to, it's to feel inspired. Like to me, like feeling inspired is, it's just a, an energetic frequency. It's an emotional frequency that just tops everything. Like I, I've lived, you know, I was, I used to be in corporate America and I used to have a job I hated and I, I've lived lives I didn't like, or I, I wasn't happy with. And at the core of it, it's because I didn't have something that inspired me. Mm. And when the more I tap into what is inspiring me, like what lights me up, like, it just makes life more juicy and delicious and tasty and fun <laughs> and playful and not so serious when you're just living from that space of inspired action. And, and I, I just love you so much, man. Like you're, you're such a G with the way that you create. And I just love your journey. And I'm so honored to call you a brother. Like you, you just, you're so cool. I just love you. <laughs> you're so cool. Like I want to be Nick when I grow up. Um, um, thank yeah. you, brother. I appreciate you. You're the man. Um, so talk a little bit about, I guess, where people can find you. I know that you're in the works for creating a lot of amazing resources for identity alchemy, but in the lieu of that, where can people find you, reach out to you, thank you for the episode, maybe even ask questions or follow up in any of it? Yeah, well, this this conscious Asian over here <laughs> resides over at Nikonken, <laughs> N-I-C-K-O-N-K-E-N on Instagram and then onken.co. But Instagram is kind of just the central place. You can get to everything that I do from that. So I usually just give that out. Dope. 
and uh yeah conscious asians conscious asians uh i got one last question for you my brother (laughs) i just love it it just kind of came out like i mean i it could have been that i'm not even gonna argue um could have been it and but uh, all right in the midst of everything you're doing everywhere you've been and everywhere you're going how do you stay grounded I stay grounded by creating a grounding routine every day, which is the meditation and gratitude practice that happens every morning. When I get up, before I look at my phone, check my messages, I shift my state of being and that I can meditate anywhere in the world. And so that has been the biggest game changer for me. Mm. So simple. Yeah, it's so important. Brother, I love you so much. Thank you again for being here and for sharing your wisdom with all of us. I just love you and appreciate you to pieces. So appreciate you, brother. Likewise. But everybody, that is a wrap for this week's episode of Stay Grounded. I'm your host, Raj. This is your new friend, Nick. And from us, stay grounded. We'll chat soon. Thanks for joining us today on this episode of Stay Grounded. I hope you found this interview helpful as you create your own ways to live an extraordinary life. For more resources and support, please visit www.rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded to join the official Stay Grounded Facebook group, a place where aspiring life enthusiasts can connect and ignite passion for life together. My hope is that the positivity, content, resources, and support in this group will resonate with you on a deeper level. That what you hear in our podcast, read in our thoughtful posts, or learn in our courses will empower you to live with intention, uncover true purpose, and challenge the internal dialogues that stop you from being who you really want to be in your life. Again, thanks so much for joining us. Stay grounded.